Carson, end of the year, big stuff happening. Men's final, women's final. We're going to talk about both of those things first, but then we started talking about the MVP before the actual show started. And I was about to start firing off takes because you were about to start firing off takes. And you did a great job of stopping us before that derailed. First question, I guess, how are you today? And then we'll just dive right into what we were talking about beforehand. Uh, I am lovely. I've been able to catch up on a few movies in my life, so I've been very happy with that. That's good. I don't watch movies, as you famously know, and as we famously discussed. So, Yeah, you're uh, a weirdo who looks up the plot on Wikipedia so he can recite yeah. it to his friends. No, not even casual recite. conversation about yeah, it. You said, have yeah, casual you said conversation was... about it to other random people. Yeah, exactly. It's just bizarre. You seen this? Yeah, I have. Okay, great. Because I never once like quote it. I don't know. I don't want to sit there and quote a movie back. I don't care. Um, so you said before this, before I said my MVP is probably just before we before I lay the groundwork here, Carson told me his MVP's wrapped up, decided that he wasn't going to tell me. And I said, I truly didn't give a shit about who won the MVP. And I said, honestly, just give it to Giannis because my argument would be he's the best player on the best team and is probably the best player in the league overall granular look at it, not just individual season. I know that doesn't matter. But the reason for that is I don't really care. I don't really like the posturing from Embiid and then all the people fighting for Embiid who have become so anti-Jokic. And then I was always kind of anti-Jokic because like, let's face it, the slow, fat, and white thing like matters and like it's very unappealing. And I can see why it doesn't sit well with people because Embiid does physically dominate more games. Then I'm like, you know what? On both ends of the floor, if we're doing it that way, Giannis physically dominates more games. So that's why I'd probably go Giannis. So that's where I land where I land because the historical context of Jokic, a player who's very good, but not necessarily great, joining the likes of Larry Bird with three straight MVPs. I think who else has done it? Kareem maybe has done it. Um, but yeah. the historical context of being one of those guys, I just I don't think that's Nikola Jokic. I know it's a dumb argument, but that kind of matters to me. So with all that being said, I think you're going to pick Jokic. So I'll like push back on you a little bit if I feel the need. But based on your face, maybe not. So I'll just let you talk. So that was my roundabout way of saying, like, I think I don't care, but maybe I kind of do. And for no really great reason, I just net out on Giannis based on vibes mostly. Sounds like you care. Um, my my decision for MVP is Joel Embiid. Okay, perfect. Uh, put That's up. great. <laughs> I'm good with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> no, no argument there? Um, not really. Yeah, I really – you just seem like a Jokic guy. I really thought you were going to uh, give me – I really thought you were going to give me like five minutes and like a very compelling argument about Jokic where like my only response could be like, Bing. but I'm glad we don't have to do that. I can I can side with you on B. But, but give me your reasons. Give me your actual thoughts on the situation. Well, I mean, we've been doing a full, a full MVP scope, which I don't think either of us want to do because you're right. It's blown into this weird conversation that's not about basketball anymore. But to your point, the historical aspect of this does matter. And Jokic getting three in a row while not winning a title is a big, giant red flag alarm, which is a weird thing because he's probably had his best uh, like season, especially in team success regard. So if we're doing that, he should get rewarded for it. And there's a pretty easy scenario where Denver gets to – the NBA Finals and possibly wins it, where it's like, wow, yeah, we definitely should have given that MVP to Jokic. We're kind of stupid for not thinking that he wouldn't win one. Um, I don't know that that'll happen, 
but I think we've gotten to this weird place partially because of how weird this conversation's gotten. So now everyone's kind of like, all right, like you guys have made your points about Nicola. It's not a fun storyline anymore. Whereas this Embiid gets his first one. They have the same record as Denver. Um, so that's a pretty – that nets out even. That was probably Jokic's – one of his better arguments was that he was the best team in the West, and they've fallen off considerably in terms of record. They're still obviously top of the West, but um, Philly's really made a surge record-wise. Um, gotten to the same 52-27 and 27 as Denver. I don't know if they'll finish the same, but there's three games left. It's not that big of a difference. But the fact that they're basically the same record-wise, the fact that it seems like Embiid – is doing the lion's share of the work as any MVP candidate should. Um, but he impacts the game. Uh, I think it's more – he's more impactful uh, from a viewership standpoint to your part about, like, the big, tall, bumbling white dude that Jokic is. And beat is the closest thing to Shaq that we've had since Shaq, which is highly entertaining and very easy to be like, wow, that guy's dominating the game. Okay, I can see him dominating the game. Jokic, you can't always see dominating again. And the fact that he put up 52 against Boston, I know they had no Rob, no Jalen. Um, seems like he's kind of carrying that Philly team. I shudder to think what this Philly team would look like without Embiid. Like Harden would probably have found a way off this Philly team if Embiid had gotten hurt at some point, um, just because that's Harden. But uh, Embiid's been great. And to your point earlier about the offense-defense aspect of it all, Embiid is like uh, – if Giannis is one of all the MVP candidates in terms of his defense and Nikola is one in terms of all the MVP candidates in terms of his total offense and, you know, running the whole deal, Embiid is a very, very, very close two to both of them. Um, and so in that regard, uh, he should get the nod because he's been just like a hair length worse than them in their best categories. Um, and it's just been dominant, and Philly seems real this year. This is the first time I've ever actually like considered Philly as an NBA mm -hmm. finalist candidate, and the fact that he is on one of five teams that I take that I take seriously this year is massive, and that's the reason this got decided. Even though he kind of ducked the, the other Denver game, I would have loved to see that. But I'm still going to give him the nod because he's just been night in, night out, dominant on both ends. And he's played. Like, his durability has been great this year, mm -hmm. too, which has always been a knock on him. And it's historically, it's just kind of time for him to win one. We're going to look back on this decade, this five years, whatever, be like, hey, that guy probably deserved an MVP. So he, he deserves one. And you are, you're absolutely right, whether people, I mean, want to say it or not the storyline part of it matters the history matters the tossing you won because you deserve it matters like there's no rhyme or reason if you look at lebron's mvp years it's just kind of like you're always good no one else is that good probably time to throw you another one um just to clear up a little history here wilt three in a row from 65 66 to 67 68 bird did it three in a row from 84, 85 to 86, 87, or from 83, 84 to 85, 86. Those are the only guys to go three in a row, but Kareem had two and three years, three and four years, four and six years. One of those is Lou Alcindor, by the way. Um, so that's, 
that's that's Kareem's run there. Magic and MJ had a six-year stretch where they each won three. Um, obviously, uh, Steve Nash back-to-back, Steph back-to-back. LeBron, actually, his four MVPs, I don't think a lot of people realize this, came in a five-year stretch. I didn't realize that, but that's that's how his shook out. Uh, Duncan back-to-back in 0102 and 0203. Um, but that's kind of the notables in terms of back-to-back, three-in-a-rows, runs, things of that nature. So Kareem never three-in-a-row, but the most of all time at six. Good run in, in the late 60s, early 70s for him. But just wanted to correct the record and paint the broad picture of the MVP award because when you do look at it, also I miss Bill Russell, but he won five and four of those <laughs> in a five-year stretch. Um But again, the point I'm trying to make with all that of all the random history is like it's a great reflection of the time. And also the MVP award does pretty accurately reflect like how many you won by era makes a ton of sense. Like it makes a ton of sense that Magic and Bird both have three in the 80s going into 1990. It makes a ton of sense that Wilt had four in the 60s. It makes a ton of sense that Russell had one in the 50s and four in the 60s. Makes a ton of sense that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar dominated the 70s. So, like, all of that context, even into the 2000s with Steph, and then KD has his, and then Harden and Westbrook each have theirs. It all kind of works coherently, and I do think history is kind of tilted if you basically make Nikola Jokic a top-10 player of all time by giving him three MVPs, because the only other guys to win that many MVPs, not even in a row, but just total, are basically just the top-10 players in league history. You want to know what's weird of all those guys? If you gave Jokic the third one this year, of all the people he'd be most close to in that way, or like in that group, is Wilt. And I'm pretty sure the three straight that Wilt won, he might have gotten one title in there. But I don't know that he did. I think the Celtics won all of them in the 60s. Uh, No, he won. won. 66 and six or in 67 they wanted so yes he did get one okay okay so even then nicola i think all of those guys got a title during those mvp at least one of their mvp years and so weirdly it would have almost taken him to win the finals for him to justify getting mvp on a historical level Mm -hmm. um but so it just feels right and the Embiid thing, too, I just kind of wanted to get it so I can stop having people campaign for Embiid. It's like the weird Russell Wilson, he doesn't have an MVP vote guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, not that big of a deal. Um, I, like, I'm just happy that I don't have to hear about it anymore and Embiid can shut up about it. And then also, too, if he gets to the MVP, he then gets the added pressure of being an MVP. So that'll be very fun for his narrative of like, oh, he's won an MVP, but he can't win, can't advance in the playoffs, like yada, yada, yada. So that's going to be a real fun down the road conversation we have when he gets this MVP. Also, FanDuel and all the other sports books agree with me of his MVP odds are like minus 700 now after that really? point game. Yeah, it's pretty insane. I think he's like at least minus 500 everywhere. And I think he's like close to 700 in most places. Um, so I, I feel like it's pretty solidified with Embiid. Um, and Giannis is great, but it's just the fatigue of Giannis. That's part of the reason that Jokic isn't getting it. Like the weird part is that 
in Giannis's back to backs, he like was a top seed. And so in his third one, when he did basically a repeat of the first two, and he was again a top seed, people were like, ah, this is really repetitive. We need a new one. And so they gave it to Jokic because, again, Jokic was the best player that year. I mean, his advanced stats were nuts the year, he won his first year. But we've now gotten to the, the – Jokic is like bad team, exceptional player for two years. And now it's like the only reason he's even being considered for the third one is because his team is so much better this year than it has been. So if you didn't have that element, I don't know that people would be talking about Jokic the way they have been. And he's had a fantastic season, and he should be in this conversation, and he should finish top three in this conversation. But I just – Denver's faded down the stretch, and Philly's gotten better, and Embiid's the driver of that. And to me, it's really, really that simple. And also, to some extent, too, just to disparage Jokic a little more, defense has to matter. And Jokic is literally the worst rim protector in the league at the He's most better defensive position. He still allows, gotten, I saw, he allows the most points and the highest shooting percentage on contested layups. Nikola Jokic I, gives up 13 points a game on layups he contests on average, which is I pretty insane. That. It's, it's a pretty insane, insane stat. I've seen the stat. Uh, he's gotten gotten better on defense, and he's like a legitimate generational offensive player. So you can kind of wave some of the defensive stuff, but yeah, it does matter. And Embiid is one of the best rim protectors we have in this league. There's a couple blocks he had in that Boston game that were just jaw dropping that he was able to make. I think there was a one chase down he had, and I was like, how did he move? that fast and that far in two steps. He's a freak just like Giannis. So, yeah, uh, I'm banging my gavel. Embiid's got the MVP this year. That all, that all checks out to me. That was a, a good, good, robust discussion that didn't uh, go into any weird territory. So I'm, I'm happy with, uh, with, with how we did that. Speaking of going into weird territory, I don't oh, know what our takes it. are on this. We may go into weird territory. I don't think we will. Yeah. We've both got good heads on our shoulders, but Women's basketball championship, hot in the streets. Great game. We'll talk about the game first, but obviously we'll we'll have a little uh, discussion about Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, the whole deal. Uh, but first of all, just broadly speaking, 9.9 million viewers. Carson, we're feminists. We were on it early. We told everyone to watch. <laughs> we wanted. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but we wanted. We 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 knew this matchup. I I really do think like. We, we knew from a long ways out what this matchup could be. I don't think either of us thought it would be this, but it was the exact matchup you could have wanted and needed, especially with South Carolina for Iowa to get there. It worked out perfectly. The people got a pretty good game, maybe not the best officiated game, but they got really mm. good up and down action. They got really good shot making. You compare and contrast that game to San Diego State-UConn. I mean – any basketball person, unless you're like an overwhelming misogynist, would prefer that women's game. Like, you are absolutely telling yourself what you think of women as a whole if you say you would have preferred the other game. So, unless you're a UConn fan. I'll, I'll let UConn yeah, fans okay, slide yes, in that yeah, category. UConn or like really old school, like Northeast Hurley disciples from like St. Anthony. Like, Greg, if you're if you're one of those Dude. guys who's been coaching in that area for the last 50 years and you were – T-shirts tucked into sweatpants, you can have a pass too. But you may fall Dude, into the category anyway. I bet that those guys like the women's <laughs> basketball tournament better. Yeah, they to be actually. Honest. Yeah, they actually. They're they actually like, 
this is just better basketball. But, like, the weird thing is, is that, like, also the clip of Bob and Danny Hurley going nuts in a high school insane. game. Insane. Dude, insane. Could you imagine? No, I could not. I couldn't imagine being no. on those teams and then, like, 10 to 20 years later being like, you see what I had to deal with? <laughs> Like, do you see why I'm scarred? Because those guys are absolutely insane people. It's amazing. And Danny Hurley, weirdly, obviously just won a title, so recency bias, but seems like one of the front runners to take over from uh, take over the reins from the old guard that have all retired in the last calendar year. So kind of excited for him in UConn. I'll be yeah, very excited. He's already the old, like, he's young-ish, but he's already the old guard. Like he just I know. feels the old guard already, <laughs> but he's only been I, there since twenty eighteen. I get it. Um, yeah, no, but he's got like twenty more years of coaching at yeah. least. Oh, oh yeah, twenty. If he if he lives till ninety, he'll be coaching until then. Okay, well his dad looks ninety, and his dad does not look like he can coach. So Bobby or, or Dan, Danny Hurley feels like he'll stress himself out so much that he's got to he's got to pull the point. urban That's a good point. urban Meyer at some point. But he's also weirdly zen. Like in all his interviews, he just seems like such a cool, relaxed guy. And he handles it so well. And then you see him on the sideline and he's just a legitimate crazy person. And it's awesome to watch. Uh, also really curious what happens with UConn next year. Because Danny Harrow's whole thing was like, I need to get a couple NBA players in here. And then like figure out the rest around them. And he got that this year, obviously. But they have like three to four NBA guys, and I don't know. I assume all or most of them will jump, and so now he has to replace said NBA guys. So it'll be kind of fun to see what happens in the the UConn stratosphere of them being. Will they be bad for another four years and then be good again randomly? I don't know, but keep your eyes peeled. Anyway, back to the deal that we're all talking about the ladies, uh, the ladies championship game. Um. I'm mad that the game got lost in this. Definitely. Uh, like, um, I talked to my parents, and my mom was like, I just feel like I have a weird, like a bad aftertaste. And my parents are, like, anti-flashy coach. And I think they get it partially from my grandma. My grandma used to, like, hate call me whenever Rick Patino was wearing an all-white suit. She's like, what is he doing on the sideline? I'm like, Grandma, that's a sweet suit. I have no idea what you're talking about. She goes, he just looks so dumb. And just the whole old lady he wore it, so of stuff it. would blend into it. Uh, yeah. Bada bing. Also, my grandma played Iowa women's basketball, which was three-on-three uh, three offense defense. Little known fact about how far I women's love, basketball has come in I love when you tell 70 years. <laughs> 70 years, so there you go. Uh, but anyway, so she probably would have been screaming at both teams if we're being honest. Um, but, uh, so my deal is that this game was really good and I want to focus on the game. And the thing that's getting lost in all of this is this Jasmine Carson chick who just comes out of literally nowhere. Girls running killers for the last three games before that. Like (laughs) she is perfect from the floor, scores 20 points ends up being the margin or pretty close to of what LSU won by. Like if she comes in and can't shoot, I'm sure that they find 10 of those points somewhere and they still beat Iowa because 
LSU was a really bad matchup for Iowa. But she's the reason they won. Like, that second quarter was so insane because the crazy part about all the the bad talking about Iowa's defense, and I told you guys when we previewed that game, I said that Iowa's head coach has a suitcase full of defenses that she loves going through, and she'll go through any one of them. Like, she doesn't care. It is team-specific, game-plan-specific. And they had a similar game plan to what they had to, to SC, and it would have worked if this Jasmine Carson chick didn't go flamethrower from 25 feet because no one else was making shots for LSU. Well, that and was LSU's so, problem the entire time. That was the part that gets lost. Yeah. This is they score 102, and they hit 11 threes total. LSU hit seven threes in the three games prior. If you were, again, not to be on my high horse about watching the women's basketball tournament because it's not something you need to be on your high horse for, but if you were watching the ESPN halftimes, every time they would break down an LSU game, it would be like, they played great defensively, but what are they going to do next game if they shoot 12% from three? And then they go on to Miami and they beat them 42-54. And they go on to Vatek and they score 79 against Vatek, but I think they went three of 15 from three. So all the discussion on them in each progressing round is, yeah, they're pretty good, but if Angel Reese doesn't score down low and doesn't gobble up 10 offensive rebounds, what do they do? And then they just absolutely go off and they get a girl who, again, we've alluded to it. Jasmine Carson had zero points in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight in previous Final Four game. She had 11 total points from the field, and she was barely shooting. She was like 1 for 3, 0 for 2, 0 for 2, I think. So she had attempted six total shots, and then I think she went 7 for 7 or 6 for 6 in the first half. That's how out of nowhere this was. Like, it was beyond out of nowhere. It was out of nowhere for her. It was out of nowhere for LSU. So LSU got the perfect performance. They have, like, three different people, her being one of them, Alexis Morris being the other one, so maybe just two playing the game of their life. That's that's what I, they got there, which is, again, like you said, that should have been all we were talking about. Okay, so I was I wanted to go look this up because I wanted to see how many minutes Jasmine Carson played in the second half because I feel like she didn't play any at all. And while I was looking this up, I typed in LSU-Iowa because I was going to type in LSU-Iowa box score. And the first thing that came up was LSU Iowa-LSU controversy. And now I'm even more mad about it. Like, it just makes me angry. Live worked up. Um, So, like, just so stupid. Really bothers me. Um, Anyway, yeah. Jasmine Carson, I don't think, played a lot. She played – I'm looking this up right now. Sorry. Live research as it happened. She played 22 total minutes. And I'm pretty sure she played most of the second quarter. And that's Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. So, at least half her minutes or I probably, like, Three quarters of her minutes were just in the first half, which is insane. Like, absolutely Shades insane. Spike Albrecht, baby. Now, you called it. It's the perfect, the perfect number. It's absolutely true. For the record, she had 22 points. This game ended up being, I think, 17, 17. was the difference. Yeah. So, like, even if they only get, I don't know, 10 points from her, this is a very close game. And Iowa's defense works. And it, and makes it was a sense. close game anyway, too. Like 17, it was, this was not a 17-point game. Like it no, was a 10-12-point well, game most of the second half. Some Iowa even got down to seven or eight at one point, too, in the third quarter. So, Dude, if 
this game at halftime probably would be pretty close to tied if she didn't go crazy. Like she had, she made that spread like seven points or mm -hmm. I think it was close to. It was probably Back more than 15, seven points. Yeah, that she had the big three at the end. Yeah. Yeah, like it, like they could have had it whittled down to single digits by halftime, and then they outplayed them in the second half, and especially in the third quarter, Iowa did, <laughs> and like just because of Jasmine Carson, they won. And then also, obviously, Angel Reese had 10, 15 to 10, and uh, Alexis Morris had 21 points and nine assists. So, like, LSU outplayed them, and that's what we need. That's the, the bottom line here. But without Jasmine Carson, shout out, great last name, couldn't be prouder. Uh, they, I don't know. I don't know if they win this game. I assume that they Definitely. do. but Because like, it's not always, and you're making a good point, it's not always as black and white as this person had this many points. This was the difference. Because you're obviously right. They could have found the points from other places. But there's also, when those points came momentum-wise, obviously it's a huge impact on the game. And she hit three threes in the last three minutes of the second or of the first half. So, like, obviously, yeah. when a player who basically hasn't scored the entire tournament is hitting back-breaking threes, they're worth the same amount of points, but they're completely different in terms of how they influence the game overall. So, and on and then, so outside of just the game, which is the number one thing we should talk about, the number two thing we should talk about is these stupid refs. They're awful, Brett. I don't they know. were bad. They were bad. We were. We were all aligned until the buzzer of, like, this game has been very good. These refs have stunk. This is what we're going to talk about. And now the refs thing gets buried, and holy crap, they were awful. I, Iowa's three best players have two fouls in the first seven minutes each, which is brutal. They're calling weird stuff. Kim Mulkey is in the middle of half court and Throwing doesn't elbows. get a tech. I she like legitimately looked like a tiny tiger on the on the sidelines, and I'm I'm assuming that's the only reason that these refs didn't give her a tech. But like, she has to be one of the the most. I said Danny Hurley was a crazy person on the sideline. Kim Mulkey reacts to every whistle like one of her children are getting stabbed in front of her. It is insane. She has the craziest eyes I've ever seen of any person ever, and it. It baffled me at how bad these refs were, and not just on one side of the ball or other. Like both of them got really stupid ticky tack fouls, and it made just no a sense. Bad whistle. It was just a bad whistle all game. Brett and they had this tournament had lined up so perfectly the entire way out. We laid out a whole NCA rigged platform to get them the most viewers, and it almost followed it to a T. And then these refs decide to make this game about themselves and how many times they want to blow a whistle. And it boggles my mind. It's an awful tech on Caitlin Clark. Like it's just bad. Can I say something though? Sure. I know, I know it was fun to say an awful tech on Caitlin Clark. She's got to be smarter there with three fouls. She has to be smarter there. I don't know. Okay. I don't think she's sort of technical, but like girl, just don't touch the ball. What are you doing? Like it was clearly out of frustration. I it wasn't technical, terrible time to call it. And honestly, her having three probably should factor in because it's no way to get her, her fourth. And like, yes, it does matter that she's Caitlin Clark in this game. Like, that's how it works. Sorry, star player, women's basketball. You want to be treated like everyone else. Star players get different whistles. So, like, maybe not a star player tech, but
but I do see, especially if you're a bad ref who has no control of the game, why they would call that. And I just don't get why. Like again, I feel like more of the discussion should have been a little bit of why the hell would you even do that and tempt fate like that? Like I get frustration and all that, but just so like mindless of her. So I feel like she deserves a little criticism, not criticism, but like the Caitlin Clark has to be smarter. Someone has to say it. So I'll say it. Agreed because she is a really smart player. So she should recognize in that situation that these refs are coloring a bunch of really ticky tack random stuff. You're playing a high school game all of a sudden. Like that's how she is like, which then that's a team at, at Downing Catholic on a Tuesday night when you're going to play someone up in Davenport, like that's a team. When Pastor, when Pastor Jim is on the call and he sees yeah. you flick the ball out of bounds, he's he's throwing you the tee. You're right. Yeah, bro. it's a fact. The thing I'm going to add on to that: the NCAA can you guys can just change a couple of rules and things would be way better. Why is a tech a personal foul? Change that rule immediately. Also. Why, if the ball goes over the backboard at any point, is it, uh, is it out of bounds? It's the dumbest rule. Isaiah, I think it was, it's Isaiah Wong. Somebody on Miami, they hit a super cool shot. They're falling out of bounds, goes over the backboard, backboard goes in, and they call it out of bounds. I, what are we doing? What, why are we not letting cool stuff happen? So, like, just classic NCAA, but just really frustrating that they have a couple of these really stupid – rules in place that are hindering the game. So that's my only weird thing. Um, also, I did not know this. They said this on the broadcast. Uh, Monica Cisnano, I think I got that last name right. You know she had taken in the title game was the second time she dribbled all tournament. What? Yeah. Dribbled? Dribbled. She's a post player. Dribbled. And then I watched the rest of the game. She didn't dribble. She just catches, spins, rotates. She threw Timmy out there. Pivot, pivot foot all day long, lays it in. I, Unbelievable. I was That's stunned. That is- I, I legitimately thought I heard them wrong, and then I watched the rest of the game, and she didn't dribble. That is – that's unbelievable. That is absolutely – She's their second-best player. But, yeah. like, a, a long she's shot. She's, she's all Big Ten. Best center I, in the Big she, Ten. I, she just doesn't dribble. She's well, like Clay Thompson, but like on the inside. That's I like. I'm still. I can't even. I can't process, even process it. it. I know. No, that's yeah, yeah, that's 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 unbelievable. Uh, we will end on that note for a second because the previous best center in the Big Ten last year was Angel Reese. Angel Reese, the subject of much to talk about. That's my get up tease. We'll have more after we take a quick break. All right, Carson, we teased it. It's what everyone's talking about. I really don't want to spend too much time on it because there's really not a whole lot we can say that unfortunately hasn't been said on either side, good or good or bad. Uh, but obviously what we're talking about, Angel Reese gives Caitlin Clark the ring, point at the ring finger, walks her around the court for five, 10 seconds, continues to do it. Um, Really divided people on pretty obvious lines, I would say, in the uh, grand scheme of the situation. I'll give my uh, my very simple take on there. I have no problem with Angel with what Angel Reese did. It's sports. We hold our female athletes to a completely different standard than our male athletes. Have you ever watched a damn football game before? Happens every other play. This is sports. This is what we do. I kind of think, broadly speaking, that 
we're even talking about this other than some like really blatant racist stuff that this is good for women's basketball, that they had a controversy that is so mainstream that there are people who don't usually comment on women's basketball talking about this and having an opinion, even if it's a bad one. All that being said was definitely a little excessive. I think that's fine to say, like it comes out to me of like, okay, a little bit weird, but again, there's been plenty of celebrations that are a little bit weird. And if I ever won a national championship, I would probably act pretty similar. And if I felt disrespected by someone specifically, I would make sure that I got the last laugh. And you know what? As much as we like to do the stupid Jordan quote of him holding the baseball bat, no one talks shit when they're behind. No one ever in history, other than maybe Michael Jordan, does that. It's not something that people do. Man, woman, child, age 20, age 40. People only taunt when they're ahead. People only taunt when they just made a big shot. No one taunts after they missed a shot. The last thing I will say on that is for on the flip side of all that, anyone who acted like Caitlin Clark did the exact same thing is obviously wrong. You cannot have a problem with Angel Reese without acknowledging that the memes trying to compare the two doing the You Can't See Me celebration are in completely different contexts. Both contexts are okay, but it's not the same thing at all. So those are all my my broad takes, the bulleted list. I would like to hear your theories and your thoughts on this, but this is kind of everything I have been holding inside for the last three days. That's where I net out on everything, bullet by bullet, of where I stay. I think it's a, it's a very good bulleted list. I agree with most of it, if not all of it. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, this is really stupid. If yes. Also, you, yes. Also, that it's dumb that we even are talking. Yes. Yeah. If this is about race to you, if you're one, of, if you are one of the people that did the meme and didn't see the full video, and we're like, can you believe Angel Reese did this? Yada yada yada. You're an idiot. You're dumb. I don't want to hear you talk. If you're one of the people like, hey, look at the full ten second thing of her following her around. Sure, fine. I agree with you, but it's a bit excessive. It's definitely different than what Caitlin Clark did. I have done some like large scale snooping on this because I'm very interested in it. So this is my whole thing on this. I think ain't you mentioned Michael Jordan and I thought you were going to steal my thunder here, but you went a different route. So thank you for that. Oh, okay. I think that Angel Reese that either Angel Reese has decided to prescribe to this school of thought or Kim Mulkey has brainwashed her. Either way, she's landed in this spot of create your own motivation even if it's out of nothing or not real, okay? So that's where I think Angel Reese is in all of this. Now I'm going to tell you why I think this, okay? So Angel Reese said in her post-game presser that Caitlin Clark disrespected Alexis Morris and she disrespected her SC girls, who are part of her SEC family, okay? It just means more, Brett, all right? That's number Which one. Which is like, also, yeah. come on. <laughs> so, all right, but that's my thing, right? So she's making up the disrespect to the SCC girls and taking that personally. Also, she mentioned, like, by name, that Caitlin Clark disrespected Alexis Morris, okay? I have looked far and wide to see if Caitlin Clark made a specific comment about Alexis Morris. Not only did I not find any sort of comment, I am nearly 100% positive that Alexis Morris and Caitlin Clark met there's a whole video of Alexis Moore being like I'm really excited to meet Caitlin Clark she's awesome I want to meet her 
they then dap up. It seems like they're pretty cool with each other. So I don't know. I'm assuming this is after the uh, SC comments. I don't really know the exact timeline of it. So it'd be weird if they're like all cool with each other. Then they make the SC comments. I'm pretty sure it was like after the Final Four game of LSU was like, yo, they can't guard us like that. And then that's kind of the weird thing. And again, Caleb Clark was like the, the hand flip was pretty disrespectful, but like Incredibly great so. trash talk. <laughs> yeah, like like great trash talk though. Cause like that chick Caleb Clark was correct to do that, and the Iowa defense was correct to do what they did. So like all good if Caitlin Clark wants to talk shit to you. She kind of has that right to knock down the three and make her eat her words. All right. So I'm nearly 100% sure that Angel Reese took Angel Reese and Alexis Morris both, and I'm pretty sure the whole LSU team took how Iowa played defense against SC and made, and made it feel like that LSU was the ones being disrespected by that. I don't know how they did that. Well, they did. I'll give you a theory to piggyback off this because we talked about how they were something like seven of 40 in their previous three games. I maybe follow your Kim Mulkey thing because Kim Mulkey can easily point to that and say, hey, Angel Reese, you're Alea Boston. Alexis Morris, you're Raven Johnson. Like, we're the same type of team. They're going to guard us this way. You better be damn sure that if they're going to guard another big physical SEC team this way, they're not allowed to guard us this way. So I think that kind of, I could see that tracking in terms of like, hey, this is what they think of SEC basketball. This is what they, and the SEC, something people didn't really talk about because of LSU and South Carolina, incredibly weak, incredibly uh, weak this year because that's why yeah. LSU was a three seed with two losses because the conference wasn't very good outside of those two teams in Tennessee. Agreed. So, so there's, there's that one where Angel – from what I see, what I can tell has seemed to generate that disrespect. The weird difference between her her and Michael, and maybe it's just like the times that we live in where information is a lot more easily accessible. It doesn't feel like Michael like revealed what motivated him or the disrespect he felt or manufactured. Angel Reese has been talking about this nonstop and has made it seem like, yeah, like I was disrespected. So that's the only disconnect that has made this weird for me of like, I can't understand why she feels she was disrespected. So my only conclusion is that she just like took another thing that wasn't related to her and made it about her, which again, great thing worked for her. She played awesome. The second part of her generating disrespect is she was on uh, more than an athlete pod. I believe I think I have that pod, right? It's with Brandon Marshall and she got, aggregated i am athlete is what you're looking for i am athlete thank you thank you thank you um she got aggregated in like the worst way and it really pissed me off when i saw the video because the tweet was like uh angel reese would rather go to the obamas or or would angel reese declines an invite to the white house would rather go to to the obamas that is not what she said she was talking about the fact that if iowa got invited then she wouldn't go which mad respect because i wouldn't either okay if the runner-up got invited, I'm not going to your stupid other party. I'm not attending that one. Iowa can go, whatever. The other thing that she mentioned in that interview, there's another clip where she is mad at Joe Biden because he picked Villanova to win the title. Joe Biden picked Villanova to win the title because his wife, Jill, went to Villanova. And Joe Biden specifically said, Jill runs this house. It's Villanova in this house. I'm picking Villanova. 
nothing was said about LSU. I think he might have had an early upset of them. Like, so maybe that's where she took some disrespect. But Joe Biden is like an 80-year-old man who I Love know for it. a fact hasn't watched a wink of women's college basketball and was just like, oh, that would be a fun name to write on the board. Wee! And Angel Reese has specifically pulled that point out and said, I felt disrespected by that, which is an incredible way to manufacture disrespect against you and be motivated by it. So everything is coming up to this theory of Angel Reese has made this up in her head that these actions are disrespectful to her individually. I hope that Angel Reese can separate the fact that she made this up in her head and the fact that it wasn't actually disrespectful toward her because it feels like everyone in the women's game is very respectful of Angel Reese's basketball game because she's really freaking good. She's that also got probably, lost in this too. Like Angel Reese was the second best player in the country all season. So that's another thing that I didn't bring up my bulleted list. Anyone who acts like Caitlin Clark is like miles ahead of Angel Reese is just wrong because they're both unanimous first team All-Americans. They just play different positions. Like she is Angel clearly Reese, the second best player all year. Angel Reese had a double-double in basically every game she, she played. She averaged 23 and 15. I, imagine getting 50 rebounds a game. It's insane. And also, so like, that's – sorry to interrupt you, but that's just to go on what you were saying with her and the disrespect. Like, she said it in her post game. Like, this is who Angel Reese is. She's been like this. You go back in the research, she was talking shit to Caitlin Clark when she was at Maryland last year when they beat her with 500 people in the stands at Maryland. Like, she's been on this. You go to her Instagram, one of her pinned posts is from January of her giving someone the too small. Like – this is this is Angel Reese. This is who she is. And this brand, let me tell you, it's working. Because you know how many Instagram followers she's picked up in the last three days? 800,000. She's That's got nuts. She has got 1.3 million with this national title and with this celebration. This girl, I am not kidding. She already had 17 NIL deals, the most of any LSU athlete. She's going to have the most NIL deals of any woman in sports, maybe even more than any man in sports, you probably have more NIL than any other college athlete, Caitlin Clark included. And because of this, getting to 1.3 million followers, she will probably make a million dollars next year at NIL. Like she will probably make more money than anyone in NIL. So even if you want to talk any shit about her, this brand is strong. And this is exactly what she wants the brand to be. And it fucking worked perfectly because I saw this too. She gained more followers than any male college basketball athlete has during the NCAA tournament. So if That's you had crazy. just her followers during the tournament, she would have had more. And then after the tournament, she gained another 800,000. So she would have been That's the most crazy. followed person if you just did the five weeks in the tournament. And if you do this included, I don't know how many Kaylin Clark has, but I think she's the most followed athlete in college basketball across the board so like this is going to work out perfectly and also i want to segue this into something else not to derail us too much so we can get back to this but is serving food at canes after you win a national championship the new going to disney world just something to consider Stetson bennett did it max duggan did it after he lost the national championship if you i think that's how i determine who i want to root for is if you're not in Canes <laughs> territory like yukon they're too like East Coasty for me. They're not going to a Canes afterwards. San Diego State, True. they're too West Coasty. They're not going to a Canes. Georgia, they're going to Canes. TCU, they're going to Canes. LSU, they're going to Canes. So just something to consider is if you if you get the call after winning a title from Todd Graves, 
that says, hey, come on down. I'll pay you 5K to whip up some chicken fingers. Like, let's do it. Because they're probably getting a bag for that, for that appearance fee. Not, these are facts. Um, and I hope not only does Angel Reese get the most NIL deals, I hope that the, the amount of in those NIL deals goes way up for her. And it will. Um, as it should. And like, again, she broke the single season record for most double doubles. So uh, yeah, she's really, really, really freaking good. And it's just so fascinating to me how she's decided to motivate herself and how she gets up for these games. Um, And it works for her. And I don't think that she should be disparaged for it. The other thing that I wanted to touch on with this is, and you'd kind of touched on it briefly, I don't know how differently this this goes if this is if these same actions happen in a men's game. Like I feel like there's hands that get thrown at some point. And I've been very interested to see how all these women have dealt with their shit talking episodes. And they handle it so much better and so much bitchier than men do. Men are just like, oh, you want to say something? I'm gonna punch you. Haley Van Lift just like shrugged it off and made it a non-issue, which is incredible. Caitlin Clark has done the same thing in game. Caitlin Clark just like ignored her. And like, that's almost more of like a, yeah, whatever. Like I'm whatever. I'm cool. Like that takes more to me than like me being like, Oh, you want to wave your hand in your face? I'm going to push you around and shove you. Oh, for so sure. I, it, I, I think it's fascinating how the, the difference in how this is dealt with. And I also think it's fascinating. Like, had this happened in a men's game and some dude like shoved him, Peck would have got called. It would have been like, wow, he was talking a little too much shit. Like, all right, cool, whatever. No one like makes a big deal out of it. If Caitlin Clark does that, it probably the same thing happens of like, oh, like injuries talking a little too much shit. Like, all right, whatever. We got their technicals out of the way. Like, ugly way to end the national title, but like, sure, whatever. So, like, it's fascinating to me that because they handle it better somehow sprawls into a bigger conversation than dudes just pushing each other and being like, oh, yeah, it's cool, whatever, no big deal. Because this happens in the NBA often. Like, guys talk shit to each other's face often. It's rare that, like, some dude is following the other guy. But when that happens, most of the time it results in a fight or a pushing match or a fake fight or whatever. And everyone's cool with it and everyone likes the fights and like, ooh, whatever. And – it's so weird to me that the women don't do that and it somehow becomes a bigger thing and it spirals into this weird issue that I hate. But like, that's another weirdly fascinating aspect of all of this. To top off the fact that next year's women's college basketball season, I think is going to be one of the most popular seasons because all these characters are coming back. Mm-hmm. Andrew Reese is back. Kim Mulkey's back. Caitlin Clark is back with an admittedly probably going to be worse team. So we'll see how well she can do with a worse team. You have Paige Beckers and Ozzy Fudd coming back for UConn. UConn's going to be back on the map again. Stanford has lost. Like, they're one of the few people that have lost one or two girls from a very good team. So, like, there's a lot of the same people coming back here, and we're adding a little more blue blood blood action into this. On top of what is SC going to do next year? And so – now we've got this powder keg in women's college basketball that I hope really turns into something and adds to the conversation. Because, like, next year, if they want to rig it, replay this one or put UConn into 
into a game with Iowa or LSU, and we're going to have a really fun title game that we're sitting here again next year talking about how good it was. So that's all awesome. So I know that this current conversation sucks, but to your point of earlier, I think in the long run, it probably helps women's college basketball. And it's put them in the news more than anything else has. Which the most popular sports story of the last week for sure. Not even close. Easily. And like blows the men's national title out of the water in terms of conversation. Like UConn was good. That's what I say about the men's national title. I liked it. It was awesome. Danny Hurley is a really good coach. But like UConn's good. This one we've been talking about for 35 minutes. So I'm very excited for what will happen next year the players that we have in this game. Also, to roll this into another league, the WNBA is getting a couple incredible players. The chick from Villanova that scored 20 in every game this year, pretty sure she was a senior, so she's gone. Haley Jones from Stanford, who's going to be a top-five pick, she's gone. Aaliyah Boston, number one pick, she's gone. Like This could be a generational three-year stretch of WNBA drafts of, like, if you drafted the right women in the top 10 of these three drafts, your franchise is changed, which I'm very excited about. So the women's game is in a very, very, very good spot. And I'm excited to see how it moves forward in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And with that, I guess we'll uh, move on to the men, which is just like we said, it's significantly less exciting shades of butler yukon on this one from whatever title game that was that was the it just by the end of the first half i was like okay yukon's gonna win and i feel no i feel no way about this i don't feel compelled to continue watching i've seen all i need to see san diego state went on to go like 12 minutes in the second half without a field goal or something just the exact argument on the side of people who say not that San Diego State's a Cinderella, but like we want to see the really good teams at the end. I think this final four, I mean, they had the buzzer beater. That was a great game, but it's still with San Diego State FAU, which not to disparage that, not to disparage the moment, I think had a huge impact on it because that's Lamont Butler is a, that's a generational shot if that's a North Carolina, Kentucky game, you know? True. Absolutely. You change, change out the uniforms and it's completely different. And I also think it matters that like, San Diego State and FAU, I don't know a ton about their alumni bases and students, but, like, it's not like Butler where they have the fans and the pedigree and the people who have, like, really, really wanted this. Like, they're just kind of there, and it's great, and it's a nice story. But the second that nice story starts winding down and it's just bad basketball and less than zero shot making, which is what San Diego State displayed, then you just get a really boring national championship. And that's that's what that was. The last – I guess the Miami UConn game was good too, but so maybe not the last two games. But the men's the, the lasting impression is just yeah. Okay, so two things. One, my lasting impression is that like one of this was a weird year. A team that I thought was in the mix of like the group of ten people you thought could win a title won a title. Mm-hmm. So like that makes sense. It's similar to that 2011 year where there were no top two or top three seeds in that tournament um, in the final four. And also, it's a little bit of a sliding glass doors moment, right? So to your point about the Lamont Butler shot, San Diego State makes that. Let's say they win this national title. 
I think that would then open up San Diego State as the new Gonzaga, which I think would be really interesting because they had Kawhi in 2013. Yeah, they've always been there. Like, they've always been pretty good. They've just never gotten, like – it took the Zags, like, Adam Morrison and then, like, a little bit of a gap and then, like, late late 2010s, early 2020s have been very, very good this whole stretch. So, like – San Diego State seemed to be building to that. If they could have added a national title, that really would have catapulted them. I know that Gonzaga hasn't won one, but like maybe they're still on that track. Lamont Butler making that shot and then them winning a national title, that's like an all-time, whoa, San Diego State's a real deal contender. The other way that it actually goes where UConn wins this thing, they're now the weirdest team in college basketball in the last 25 years. I know that everyone knows now that UConn has uh, five Final Fours in that span. Um, well, in their history, but also in that span. Do you know how many Final Fours UConn has in total in its lifetime? I got – are they five for five? They are five for six, Brett. They're five for six. I knew I, when you were saying that, I was like, I don't know if there are any more than that. And, It's the weirdest thing ever because every other blue blood that's won like five or more, the final four count is like 40s, 30s in that range. UConn is literally 83% of the time they get to the final four, they win a title. And they don't get to the final four that often. It's the weirdest thing. They are the weirdest team, the weirdest blue blood program, whatever in all of college basketball. And so now you have that to deal with on a historical side of being like, here's this program who has a legendary coach, this weirdo blip in the radar with Kevin Ollie, and then Dan Hurley, who looks like he's on a trajectory to also become a legendary coach. And there's nothing really before it. And I don't understand how it happened because they're not in like a natural recruiting base except that they're, like, within two hours of New York City. That's about it. And they don't have great facilities, as you pointed out. So, like, I don't know where this came from. I don't know how it happened. It's really weird. And now they have to wrestle with the fact that UConn is, like, a legitimate program for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's there's I, no reason to, especially going back. Carson, I mean, this is the perfect way to encapsulate UConn even after the stretch of Jim Calhoun making them relevant and Kevin Ollie, two years after Kevin Ollie won that national championship, they were in the American for the next seven. They were in the American Athletic. We kicked UConn out of the damn Big East to have them go play Central Florida for five years and USF and Tulsa. Like Tulsa was on the conference schedule. SMU was on the conference schedule for almost a decade. Like That's insane. And it's like nuts. it was it just, makes no sense. Which is weird that we even like why were they even out of the Big East, which is just like a straight, but like that's how far they had fallen, like just how irrelevant they had become, even in the stretch where like you'll look back over the grand scheme of 1990 to 2023 or however long this goes, if you want to go like 2000 to 2030, and we'll be looking at four or five national titles, six, seven, five, whatever it comes out to be. And there will literally be a stretch in there where they became a mid-major. Like that doesn't like when they won a title as a mid as a mid major too. 
Like they won they the title the, as they were the American when they won that. Yeah, that twenty that twenty well, that's even, title. Yeah. That's even uh-huh. more so. That's even I actually remember this is really weird. But like I remember in like twenty fifteen in the conference tournament against I think it was like Houston or Central Florida, they're like on the bubble and they hit a half court shot to like keep their tournament hopes alive. And you're like, Oh cool, UConn. Like that's what you just thought it was just like a they won 69-68 against Central Florida as a three seed in the American Conference tournaments, playing in front of no one in a ballroom. Dude, both of their titles in the 2010s were like super weirdo titles. That Kemba team won six games in the Big East tournament to get into the tournament. Yeah, and it then a, it was a seven and like, eight seed in the championship. Yeah, and like like they were on the bubble and like had to win multiple games to get in. And had they just lost in the first round of the Big East tournament, they're not in the NCAA tournament probably. They win it, they get up five or whatever seed they were. So that one's a weird one. The badge year, they're also like they're pretty good in the American, but they're not like elite. I think they're another three seed, four seed. Like it's just weird all the way around. The only like normal teams they've had was the '99 team, this team, and I want to say the other team in the middle was like the '04. Yeah, Van Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, like that was a normal powerhouse team. But like outside of like they've had three sem like they've had two normal ones, one semi normal one, and then two just weirdo ones. So they're just the weirdest program in college basketball. And they just happen to be good. It's nuts. Do they yeah, I was gonna say, do they have like a com like a comparison in any other sport? Like football, I guess they're is there I can't anything think of that one. I'm trying to think? I feel like there has to just be a college, like a Michigan State might net out by, like, if you add another 15 years of how Michigan State's been since 2010 and they add like a national title, maybe like that's my best one. But like, there's not enough, there's not enough actual championship pedigree there at Michigan State. But like, that's LSU kind of ish, like Florida, if they extrapolate this, maybe. Yeah, but Florida, LSU in terms of like, both Actual football brand. and best. Yeah, like, like it's always like going to be stronger. The brand itself is just way yeah. stronger. Yeah. This would be like if like Wyoming won like the re-national titles in baseball. And we were like, oh, why don't we just got a really good baseball coach now? Oregon State in baseball, maybe? That might be I, the best one. I don't know I, enough about it, but. I'm sure there's a weirdo baseball program that's been hot in like the last three decades that came out of nowhere, but I honestly can't think of it. And like, they're the only team ever in college basketball history to win a national title with, I think, three different coaches in three different eras. Um, I think it's three different coaches total, actually. Yeah, I think because yeah, it'd be Calhoun for the first three and then Hurley and Ollie. No, I meant like for other programs because like Duke is all Shashevsky, UNC uh, is Dean Smith and Roy Williams, and I don't think anyone. There might be one other guy that won one. I'm not sure. I think he got into a Final Four, but they didn't win one. And then John Wooden, UCLA, uh, Kentucky. I think is Cal and Adolph Rupp. And there's really none in between there. I don't. I don't know. I really don't think so. Maybe it's limited to this time frame. But like, there's. I mean, a it makes sense. Chance. What you're saying makes sense. So just, I yeah, don't know if be there. There's just no equivalent, is what I'm saying. It's insane. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's so real. And now I think you're right in terms of they're back on. Like they're they're blue blood again. Like they have to. Like they're back on with with Dan Hurley and with this and with 
NIL, especially like UConn's probably a pretty good NIL place for basketball. Like with the women's team there, that probably helps a ton in terms of just what they're willing to to put behind that. So I think they're probably you would you would you would think so, but most of that's got to come from Hartford, not stores. Oh yeah, and so like I, I that's fair. I it's just weird, and it's a sliding glass moment that we need to appreciate. Of like, if this was San Diego State or another program, like. I don't know. And now I'm really curious about the moving forward of it all, because like I mentioned, they got two or three NBA players and they might go in the draft. And how do you replace that? And how quickly can you replace that? Like, are they going to go in the cellar for another three years? And then, oh, look at that. UConn's again, a top five team. I don't know. It's weird. I have no idea what Danny Hurley's going to do. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But that's the thing, which is kind of like the shame of again, this entire men's college basketball is like the most interesting thing that came out of this season ended up being like, where does UConn stand historically? Like, what does this, which again, credit to UConn for making people talk about that, but no one was like looking at the beginning of the season being like, you know what, like, what is, what does UConn mean to college basketball? So I guess it's like an interesting discussion, but it's weird that like of everything it could have been with, with UNC and, and like all the, Stuff there could have been so Returning, many yep. or yeah, there could there was so much like even like Brady Dick becoming a breakout star, like there was so much more, so many more interesting things that could have happened in this tournament. You you can, your eye on, the Kansas yeah, repeat, you had a Duke is like, oh, watch out, Duke. Lowe's yeah, they're coming coming in hot. Obviously, Alabama, the Brandon Millers, they're like, what if Brandon Miller would just been going off Caitlin Clark style and been going for 30 points consecutive games? How have we how would we have reconciled that? that would have been much more interesting. So there's just, again, no disrespect to you got it. It's just, it's kind of weird that like, that's, that's where we end up netting out on this whole thing is like, all right, you got it. The other thing I want to point out, point out about that. We were kind of set up for a weird year. Like everyone's all disappointed about it. Everyone that talked basketball was like, Hey, uh, this is going to be a weird year. No one's all that good. We don't know what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. So like, I, it's weird to me that people are like, hmm, this kind of sucked. Like, guess what? We're kind of planning on this year to suck. So that's how this works. Yeah, that's know. pretty good. But college basketball is fun regardless. I don't care. The tournament in both the men's and the women's side, I thought, were both spectacular. And I'm watching that basketball regardless of what happens. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have the blue bloods in there occasionally. But I like it when we get once in every five years a complete and utter blow up of everyone's bracket and the thing that no one expects to happen which is the beauty of this tournament is the chaos that it can provide i think i come out to i like my i like blue bloods in the final four is where i ultimately because like i do agree with the thought process of like when you get to the final four it can just feel like a slog sometimes and if you're not up for those games as a fan which is like i said i just said that like i'd be playing in them but like if you're not up to watch those games you're like i don't know like Kind of feels like we stayed too long, like the Sunday. We stayed at the Sunday at the bachelor party and like tried to day drink, thinking we could like all hang on to one more moment before we got on our flights. And that's just not gonna that's just not gonna hit the same as the action packed first week. So I always just think of it's not the right word, but I do get I do get worn out of it if the storylines and the teams aren't there. I'll, I will readily admit that at at this stage in my basketball and college basketball viewership habits. Can I encounter with like one thing now is that even this year if you would have had an all one seed final four 
I don't think it would have been that much more interesting than what we got. It would have been Houston, Alabama, Houston, Alabama, Purdue, and Kansas. Kansas is the only blue blood in there. But Zach Eady, that kind of that would have been kind of fun. I I mean, you it would have been fun of like oh Purdue, but like how many people are actually paying attention to care about Purdue basketball? Like legitimately, I don't know if Purdue or San Diego State are all that different in terms of national care level. I'm just being honest. Oh, I I disagree. I think Purdue has got a a strong enough brand. Stronger. Much stronger, at least. Purdue is just Virginia now. Like, people put respect on Virginia because they won the title. If they didn't win the title, then people would laugh at Virginia. People are now laughing at Purdue. So, like, it would have been a lot different if they got to the Final Four and made it, but, like, I don't really know that it would have been monumentally more interesting to have all one seeds in the final four this year. Now there are years where, yes, I absolutely agree with you, but most of the time the best teams are the blue bloods, but like this year, the best teams weren't blue bloods. So this is an ideal year for us to blow everything up next year. I'm sure we'll get more blue bloods and it'll get ironed out, but we could also be entering a weirdo NIL transfer portal kind of segment era of college basketball where this thing starts happening a lot more just because it's just kind of like the who gels this year, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is so, so, so weird. So um, we'll see how that plays out in the future. But again, I, for one, really enjoyed this tournament. I thought it was fantastic. And I do not need blue bloods in my final four to be entertained. That's okay. my bottom line. Uh, last thing before we go, just wrapping this up real quick. I have Lakers Clippers on here, and uh, hey, son, yeah, I'm, I'm I and I didn't know who I was rooting for in this, but the Wolves do have a tiebreaker against both teams, so just something, uh, something for me to watch. That the Wolves also the reason I brought this up is because I just wanted to point out they're playing the Spurs in Austin on Saturday, the second to last game of the year, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, playing in the Moody Center, weird. home of the Texas Longhorns, but that's uh. That's what's going on there. And good win for them against the Nets. That's my Wolves minutes. I boycotted that game, though, after the Blazers lost, so I did not watch the win against the Nets. They did not get oh, they did not get my viewership number. They got mine, and because of that, I'm not weirdly interested in the Nets. So you got that going for me. I spent this whole year being completely disinterested in the Nets. And now that oh, I like – I, I was telling you, I like the – I, like I know, I know. You've been telling did, me. Did, did Witty shades of, shades of what I've been talking about in the past? Come on now. Dude, it's – I don't remember. I mean, they're kind of reconstructed that other Brooklyn team that you love so much. So I know. That's why you love them so much. But they've just taken, like, the second and third best player on, like, three or four teams and joined them together in one team. So now you just have solid dudes all across their roster. So it's cool. Um, as we wrap this up, uh, just to tease for next episode, I think we'll do all the other awards – all the other all NBA. Uh, so everyone is aware, uh, playing starts in less than a week, the 11th. April 11th. Uh, for seven, eight. Yep. Seven, eight matchups in both conferences. April 11th, turn your TV on. We'll probably be recording that night uh, or the night after. So uh, when we talk to you next, we'll be after at least one of the playing tournament games and the entire seeding will be set. Seems like right now we got a really great picture, especially in the East. We know who's going to be in the play-in except for Miami, Brooklyn. Those are the only two that can maybe change. Otherwise, top five seeds in the East are set. In the West, it looks like top four are set. 
Uh, this Clippers well. kind of locks them at six too. Like the top six are pretty much set here as the Lakers go to seven mm-hmm. and then Clippers could get Golden State for the five, but you're right, it's kind of Golden State Clippers five, six. And then I think LA, even if they lose this, I think have a decent shot at getting the six seed still. So it's really weird from six to, to ten. I think Dallas is gonna say see you later. Let's yeah, they're done. I think I think seven to ten after all that playing just I I think it's gonna end how it is now. I think it's gonna be Lakers seven, oh, Pelicans dear. eight, Wolves nine. Thunder 10. The one thing I will say, though, is the Wolves are – they have the tiebreaker against the Pelicans, and they play them in the last game of the year. So they could yeah. be playing so – they're, so they're probably playing ultimately for 8-9 to see who is home in the 8-9. I th- or no, not to see who's home in the 8-9, to see who gets to be in that 7-8 game. So they're yeah. like a quasi-weird little playing like play semifinal to get into a more ideal plan. That's probably how that finishes right now. I don't – there's some scenarios where it doesn't end that way, but with the Pelicans winning tonight, they've got a game on the Wolves. They're a clear one game up, and they've both played 80 games right now. So that is, and the Wolves play the Spurs. So let's and cross our be, fingers that we don't get a Pelicans ball or a Portland moment, but we'll see. That'll be weird too if they do the quasi play in and then they play again to get the actual eight seed. I think that's so what'll happen too, twice. If I had to guess, yeah. So that'll be. No, that'd be real fun. Uh, still sneaky love the Thunder, so don't let them get hot. But uh, we'll have answers to all of these unknowns uh, on the next pod. I'm very excited to discuss uh, once everything's set, make a couple predictions, um, get that all down the line, nail down awards, really wrap up the NBA season now that the college season is done. Uh, uh, basketball don't stop. This is the only thing keeping me from uh, the dog days of summer and baseball. So uh, I want it to last as long as possible. Give me as many seven-game series as possible. Me and Brett, hopefully we're talking about basketball as long as possible. So thank you, Playoff time, especially with the load management. This is where everyone likes to rag on the NBA. It gets really, really good right now. It's, It's as good as it gets for the next two months. So I'm very excited. We will talk to you all about all of that next week.